Bruce, please. I was wrong. You have to listen to me. Lex wants us. You don't understand. There's no time. I understand. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host Mike. And it's about goddamn time to discuss <laughs> the goddamn Batman. <laughs> it's just been, it, you know, that's what—that's the only reason I wanted to make a podcast, anyways, is just to talk about big-budget blockbuster films, specifically <laughs> the ones that feature the Batman. We're talking 2016's Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. And for this episode, we're talking the ultimate edition. So, all right, I have a bone to pick with you immediately, immediately <laughs> about this, Delby, because I I hated this movie when it came out theatrically. I had not, I didn't rewatch it. I felt like I got a random uh, mention, uh, a tweet thrown my direction, which you know I hate. Where, but it was someone who'd actually listened or said they had listened to the episode that was on, it's still on this feed somewhere for the War Machine versus War Horse days, where we also were being a little cheeky as far as the theme that month, because Scott Pilgrim <laughs> was on that episode. Kramer versus Kramer. So maybe you can see the, the direction <laughs> where, you know, time is a flat circle, all of that. But I felt like it was like six months uh, after the episode dropped, and suddenly someone who had never interacted with at all, uh, I just is just, just scrolling the web for anybody talking about Zack Snyder shit at all, starts blowing me up saying how this 
this film predicted the rise of Trump and and all of this. And of course, they don't send that tweet to me in spring 2016 when the film's released. They wait till it's in the bag. And they're like, you see, we all should have listened to Snyder. He knew what was coming. Uh, and of course, I think I said thank you for the download, and please stop talking to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but the bone I have to pick with you is, and this isn't your fault, but when this film went on sale, as uh, a lot of the DC properties uh, would go on sale quite often on iTunes, I did purchase the Ultimate Edition, not the regular one, because I heard from those nut jobs that's like no 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 you gotta watch the you know they they, they butchered it like you know there's this this the secret gym in this like three hour you know half a billion dollar budgeted superhero epic that no one had seen up to now so you gotta do that did i immediately watch it web of course not i waited until there was gonna be a podcast recording on it so i'm like all right i bought this like two years ago now's the time so i'm Saying that in the you know to set up, I'm no expert here. I didn't go back and do a direct comparison. I didn't even read up an article like what are all the changes. I had a very similar response when I watched this time, which is <laughs> this is stupid and too long, and now now it's even worse because it's longer. I don't know if it's dumber, <laughs> but it didn't change anything for me. But I'm putting the ball back in your court. I'm not putting the blame because you were a defender of even the theatrical experience. I actually think you. You may have even like quit Twitter for a time because you were so upset with film podcasts such as mine and others. It's like, wow, what a fucking turd. <laughs> Anyone who <laughs> likes this is a turd. <laughs> so you're a longtime defender. You're not obnoxious like the random egg Snyder fanboy accounts. So you tell me. Tell me, what did you see initially? And does the Ultimate Edition do anything more other than, other than I guess, just give you more of Batman v superman i think that it does if you didn't mind the dreariness and the murkiness and the ugliness of the theatrical cut the the real problem with me with the theatrical cut was kind of the lapses in logic in terms of the plot there's just this movie is so overstuffed even with the even with the extra half hour where you have enough time to kind of breathe like you God damn, man, you get to see Clark Kent do some investigative journalism. Like, that alone, I was like, thank you! He has a regular job, people. And so I enjoyed little things like that. And so in the theatrical cut, it's really more about the plot. That's what the Ultimate Edition does. It it lets you breathe and kind of... Boy, even the Ultimate Edition doesn't really paint the proper picture of, like, these two should be fighting. Like, even that is super flimsy on its own. So... Yeah, you're talking about Clark Kent doing some uh, investigative journalism. I kept waiting for Batman to be like, aren't you the world's greatest detective? What are you, why are you, <laughs> yeah. you ask a few questions? Why don't you have a conversation? And it's interesting. I do remember the one sequence I really enjoyed, and it felt very comp booky to me, is when uh, not only our two title characters, but uh, who we will know as Wonder Woman, I guess. you know, We, we already knew it you know, when we were watching it because of the marketing, but... Uh, in the film, it's going to be revealed later. The the sort of like spy games between all three, it felt very much like a uh, a romantic Hitchcock thriller with this weird triangle of Superman can hear Alfred talking to Batman. <laughs> yeah. But he can't give that away. Uh, Batman knows there's something up with this woman. Uh, Wonder Woman 
is holding all the cards because she's doing everything Batman should be doing, but he's too distracted. I have to say that as probably more of a Batman fan, maybe there was, maybe that's more on me. Maybe that's the fanboyism coming out that I felt like Batman was just, he's too much of like a dumb jock in this one for me. Like, and it's obviously, it's a hyper masculine, hyper aggressive version of Batman being played here, but it's Batman is like the wronged protector. Like, you know, the, the man that's, you know, he's wasn't powerful enough to stop aliens and it pisses him off so much that he just, he just sort of ignores anyone that's like, like poor Alfred here, which is Jeremy Irons is unfortunately, I guess, wasted, like, uh, not necessarily in the film, but the opportunity to have him as, I guess, this new version of Alfred, if they had continued this universe would have been pretty cool. I, I like his, you know, he's always working on a car he's like trying to get a word in with this egomaniac Bruce Wayne, but you know, he can't be bothered. And <laughs> Jeremy Irons plays it like, well, you'll learn one day. I guess Superman will have to beat the shit out of you, and then, <laughs> then you'll see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, this Batman is incredibly myopic. And I think Affleck plays it really well. I actually really enjoyed his performance as this weird Batman. And I think a lot of that goes back to because The Dark Knight Returns is such a seminal work for me and so many other Bat fans. I mean, I think it's at the point where... Some people are probably tired of it. They're like, oh my god. Like, Well, that's also because Frank Miller doesn't fucking stop and he keeps writing sequels to it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Everybody's he, got now... a mortgage, Webb. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, actually, now they put training wheels on him. It's like, Brian Azrael, you go write it with him so he doesn't go off the deep god. end. <laughs> <laughs> because then he's going to write Holy Terror, you know? So, ultimately, I think my positive reaction to the film is because i got to see a progression from also from man of steel to this man of steel in my most recent rewatch uh leading up to batman v superman boy you don't have like, to play the fan card on me you're wearing a batman dark knight frank miller t-shirt for tonight's recording just to let me know <laughs> <laughs> oh you're you're the away team mike <laughs> this, is, this is the web home court you know, uh, before we started recording, I had a Kate Bishop t-shirt on. I was like, wait a minute, we're recording Batman. So I put the Batman shirt on. I see Zack Snyder progress as a director, actually, from Man of Steel to this. This is a much more confident work, uh, even though it's, I think, kind of misguided in its aspirations. Uh, Man of Steel, boy, there are a lot of cracks that begin to show as soon as you do like a second rewatch even like I've, I've been a defender of man of steel i actually do enjoy a lot of it and that's because Zack snyder is a great he's a great action filmmaker once you get past all of the characterization stuff that he's doing with superman that's different than what you normally get like he's so far from the donner superman that uh, if you if you if that's what you wanted, but boy, you had a ne- I'm sure you had a negative reaction. But once you get past that, I think it's an enjoyable film. Uh, but this one, I kind of had the same reaction that I've had since the theatrical experience, and I discussed uh, the, the theatrical film with Dave when it came out. And even then, I was kind of like, boy, this is bad. But I had such a good time. Like, oh, Batman's gonna start killing people. All right, <laughs> buckle up, baby. So. <laughs> You know, the whole Snyder murderverse thing that started trending. It's like, I get it, but that's where we are, man. This is just another interpretation of these heroes. And granted, it's a really extreme version of it, but 
it doesn't mean that I can't go back and watch Bruce Tim and and Paul Dini's version of Batman. Webb is uh Webb is saying that right now, but uh, after that recording with Dave, he didn't speak to him for six months. He swore <laughs> Dave off for disagreeing with him. How could you? I remember. I think one of my lines was like, "I know what a good film is. Look at my Criterion collection. I'm aware of what good cinema is." It's always good when you bring in props to an argument. <laughs> <laughs> to, to back up my street cred. Ultimately, <laughs> where I am with Batman v Superman is that I enjoy the extremes. What do you mean? Do Because I actually had a similar thought. I will say that it aged better in the sense that for this type of entertainment, for the, the superheroes, uh, the, you know, cinematic universe type stuff, it is so dramatically offbeat and strange compared to the you know formulaic but probably on the nose minute by minute more entertaining and certainly less offensive marvel products because i I don't generally think that i ever have a really strong reaction to marvel movies for the most part i do give those it's a very boring podcast opinion of that was was all right (laughs) i had a good time i enjoyed it but i don't the wheels don't turn too much for me. Now I know I know with fan culture, anything that's related to a character that they've enjoyed before, they just kind of go on and on about it. But I think to the general public, I feel confident in saying that if they, if they came out of Batman v Superman, they probably felt like they got smacked in the back of the head, like they probably felt <laughs> like they got assaulted in some way. <laughs> like I mean, good or bad, it forced them to react to it that i don't think you know something like ant-man and the wasp which i actually greatly prefer i i came out of ant-man and the wasp i'm like that was fun that was a fun afternoon but I, I i don't know what my podcast would be about that particular film whereas this one i mean you know do i go to the the piss gag the strange lex Luthor has got this jackass like the jackass the show mentality that i'm gonna get a cup of urine because that damn Holly Hunter, she once told me, like, don't don't try to give me sweet tea, like, when it's actually urine. You're not going to fool me, Luther. And he, does he take out, like, his little Palm Pilot and just, like, make a note? It's just weird. It's just weird stuff like that all throughout the film. Can I bring up another odd thing? I was listening yeah, yeah, to please. a video game podcast today that was not about Batman versus Superman. And I don't know if they were reference. It was must have been some other Superman story. I don't know if it was one of those like DC animated movies or whatever it was. But one of the co-hosts says, "Does Superman get in the bathtub in this one?" And because I just watched this fucking thing, I'm like, "Is that that's a deep pull on him getting in the bathtub with Lois?" And I'm, that's that's my point. Where it's like, so for for people who are not even like film buffs, there's just weird things 
<laughs> all throughout this movie where they call back to it. And I don't think they know what to make of it, but, but I'll, I'll give them that it's distinctive. It's, you know, and I sucker punch is distinctive. I hated that when I watched it in theaters, I've never revisited. Uh, I did not care at all for Watchmen. Um, I walked out of that one in theaters. Like I don't have a good history with Zack Snyder, but it's his, it's, it's his voice. It's his, you know, it's not like he's going to be, uh, you know, one of the Russo brothers. You're right. It does stick with you so much so that goddamn people won't shut up about this movie to the point where they're letting, you know, they're letting him redo the the sequel, which is crazy to me. It's crazy. I really didn't think we were going to be here, but here we are. And it goes back to a quote that that also really stuck with me. Do you know Martin Goodman, the publisher who has his hands knee deep into like the origins of Marvel Comics? Is that back when it was what timely or something? Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, the quote was, and I've got it here. It's all about staying on top of trends and providing no more than disposable literature. If you have a title that catches on, just add a few more. Fans are not interested in quality. And that is, I think, absolutely true when it comes to a lot of this superhero schlock. <laughs> Says the man in the Dark Knight. <laughs> the Dark Knight <laughs> comic t-shirt, not Nolan's films. <laughs> Maybe that's where we are because even the defenders of this movie, like I, I don't think you can defend it on any kind of intellectual level. And I've seen people try to talk about how oh it it it's a parable of like the reaction to nine eleven. Like really is it? I and they really they dragged that out for a long time because I, I heard that was the the Nolan Batman trilogy, which you know yeah at least you're, you're getting into a sequence of like you know. The, the super surveillance tech that Batman has, fine, but... Um... And, and the ethics behind uh, uh, using it to spy on everybody. And so they, he, they, they threw a lot of stuff at the wall just to see what stuck. I, yeah, I, don't, I think Snyder's a mixed bag in that regard. In that I think he does have a lot of ideas, but I don't know if he has a lot of passion behind what those ideas mean as much as... He's he's extremely interested in the execution of them as far as uh, how they will look and I think how it will make an audience member feel. I, I think he's 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 all about that. But I don't think I don't know. It which is strange considering his fan base wants to dissect it. So like he he does seem like he is giving. It's a very different roller coaster ride. But he's giving them that. But the the, the you know release the Snyder Cut fan base. They really want to get into the weeds of this, and I I don't know. And it, I've read some stuff recently. I should send it your way. I should have sent it before we record this, but uh, it was an article about the, the the Justice League and and you know the tragedy that his family had, and then why he left, and you know of course how they tried to spin it that you know he was supportive of what Whedon was doing when really he had no idea, and it was kind of horrified. Um, the sad thing is, and it, it's something that stuck with me from that article is that. With the Me Too movement in particular, that they couldn't find a person that said like a bad word about Snyder. Now, of course, I'm putting this on record on a podcast, so here comes a, a story that's going to break in the next week. But it went on to say that you know not you know, even the the sort of studio executives that thought he had made <laughs> a real fucking mess of this <laughs> this universe that they were really hoping could challenge Marvel. They're like, but he's a really nice guy and he's a great collaborator and. 
from the interviews I've read with him, it does seem like, and maybe that contributes to the kind of very messy works that he produces that I think he takes ideas from editors, from his DP, from other actors. And he actually tries to incorporate that. He tries to make this a more collaborative process where what you're seeing is the vision of many artists and not just, just him. I don't know if that's, that's worked in, you know, a cohesive way other than uh, 300. Was that the one where everyone was like, yeah, that's, that's good because it's a pretty straightforward premise and you can, <laughs> you can have as many slow-mo shots as you want and you can have guys, you know, shirtless screaming at each other. It all works. But it was interesting. It made me kind of step back and think like, okay, I think we probably are too guilty as film fans of laying the blame at the, you know, the director's feet, all the, all the blame and all the glory. And, you know, what if he, he wanted his actors to have input into this characterization of, you know, Ben Affleck uh, in particular, I, I think really probably lost his interest in Batman when Snyder left. Um, and of course he has his own demons, but um I, it has made me as strange as it is to say, Webb, like, cause I, <laughs> when this fucking thing came out, I'm like, oh God, take, I was ready to take Justice League away from him before they even started shooting. I'm like, all right, this, <laughs> <laughs> we can't, we can go no further with this craziness. I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing like, okay, if given free reign, no interference, just, just let the man work. There's really no cutting around this. There's no fixing it. Uh, it is a glorious mess. Uh, and just just let it happen at this point. You just have to accept it for what it is. I'm genuinely treating it as like an Elseworld, you know, a mini series, and I think that's going to be tough for fans of uh, just comic book movies because this is kind of how comics are. They're a fucking mess, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe has really spoiled people because like they have a plan and they're going to execute it. And they'll stumble with stuff like Iron Man 2 and Thor in the beginning. But then once they get on a roll, this is how we do things. It's the Marvel method. Whereas DC doesn't really know what it's doing. And because people have such a passion for characters like Superman and Batman, there's a great amount of ownership. The way you are with Daredevil maybe like even more so than that it seems like <laughs> as soon as there's a little bit of disrespect to either way like people will either come and attack the films or defend it to the death let me okay let me stop you there because i don't want people to get the wrong impression uh good or bad on me i'm a i'm a great defender of both cuts <laughs> of of the 2003 film of daredevil the director's cut and the theatrical <clears throat> i knew i was an apologist then i think the difference is if you're a fan of, and, and and it's why I distanced myself from the, I guess, modern fandom. I was just happy that I got to see a daredevil movie. <laughs> like, I just like, you know what? <laughs> just be grateful that this exists. I actually just meant daredevil, the character, but I'm glad that we have it on record that you're a defender of the daredevil film. I have, you know, I, you keep bringing up uh, comic book properties. Cause we did our comic book month without the capes, without superheroes. Now we're, we're sneaking in, uh, you know, we're bringing in the capes. You can play that horrific Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> clip. His, his, his Luther is just off the rails here. I have given a lot of thought and consideration to how I can convince you that the 2003 Daredevil with Ben Affleck would fit into a trilogy, presumably with like another Woody Allen movie, just to get the numbers up. <laughs> just <laughs> we'll make it work in some way. <laughs> 
I'm actually a defender of the director's cut for Daredevil as well. It's actually not that bad. That's good. But because... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if they took out that goddamn playground sequence, I think I'd feel much better about it. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, people are so invested in these characters that I think they can't be objective about any of it. One of the most awesome things about this podcast is having an opportunity to get to know you beyond just like the film stuff. So anytime you tell me about your personal stories and a little bit of your history and the, I, I had no idea you were such a comic book nerd. Like that's been one of the like, my favorite things about it. And because of that, it makes me want to be a better comic book nerd as well. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the, this revelation from 30 seconds ago of my love of the 2003 daredevil is probably the, <laughs> my darkest secret that I can reveal. Oh, <laughs> But, you know, like when you uh, texted me um, earlier about how you were reading a book that you were going to hope that takes Stan Lee to task. (laughs) I'm like right there with you because I'm one of – I'm also uh, somebody who's completely on the side of Jack Kirby. And it's so frustrating to hear about how he was doing all the fucking work. (laughs) Meanwhile, Stan Lee is out, you know, getting as much poontang as he can. Cool. I mean that's that's how I feel about trilogy in theory. You're you're doing all the editing and I'm just out there trying to get laid you know, on Twitter <laughs> with the at trilogy in theory handle. I'm the Jack Kirby. <laughs> that's absolutely true. You are the uh, the ambassador, the avatar for this show. <laughs> but you know, like I love talking about that stuff with you, uh, and and I love getting to know more about that aspect of your person that I had no idea. It's so awesome uh, when I get to hear that stuff. So even when we talk about something like Batman v Superman, it's like (sighs) we can sit here and talk about how the film is (sighs) all over the place. It doesn't even explain the term kryptonite. We could pick this movie apart and it's not fun. What is fun is talking about people's reactions to it and just trying to (laughs) decipher (laughs) what it is that people are thinking it's more fun for me to uh analyze and just kind of see how people react to this kind of stuff because i'm just so nonchalant about it it's like it's going to come out and it's going to i'm sure it's going to have a very divisive reaction um just like just like uh, batman vs superman justice league is gonna the, the snyder cut is going to divide audiences as much as this and who knows we, i i hope we keep getting them just because i think it's fascinating more so than anything else i can't believe they got made i can't believe we got to see superman kill somebody on screen that's nuts you sound just like i did as i was walking out of uh, man of steel uh trying to tell uh my poor wife it wasn't my wife at the time and it's amazing that she actually still went through with it because i <laughs> <laughs> i just it's like i saw uh, uh you know my my father <laughs> kill someone in front of my eyes and i'm just like that's not the man i know not that's not my kal-el <laughs> You know, one of the defenses that I had read online is like, well, now he knows it's not right to kill people. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I want that version as my defense attorney. <laughs> you got to do it once before, before you figure out, not for me. <laughs>
will still be weak between the new consolidal sunlight. Just how weak we'll see when he finds my first surprise. Yeah, but how long you expect to last against him? Long enough. Boss, I'm trying to get the plan here. I mean, you gonna die tonight or what? Figure I will. Clark! This is between you and me. We don't have to do this. Sure we do. Bruce, be reasonable. You know what my orders are. Your orders? You say you answer to some sort of authority. They only want me dead because I'm an embarrassment. Because I do what they can't. What kind of authority is that? doesn't matter. It's their world and they won't stand for you anymore. If it isn't me, it'll just be someone else. Really? Who do they send after you? What are you doing? Do you want me to kill you? Oh, you're not going to kill me. Now! It wasn't easy to make, Clark. It took years and cost a fortune. Luckily, I had both. You're feeling it now, aren't you? What the rest of us live with every day. Your own mortality. Don't worry, you'll survive. The kryptonite will work its way out of your lungs soon enough. Bruce, your heart. But I didn't have to go easy on you. A different binding agent, a stronger mix. I want you to remember that. I wanted to remind you to stay out of my way. In all the years to come, in your most private moments, I want you to remember the one man who beat you.